The following program is brought to you by Mind's Eye, the virtual newsstand. 501 Crossroads is your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, the executive director of Mind's Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and the mission. And I'm happy to have my co-host, Natalie Jablonski, the nonprofit ninja. Absolutely, specializing in helping nonprofits maximize their time, talent, and resources in order to achieve organizational greatness. I love this new format. So if you are just catching up with us, we are doing a new format, uh, just uh, not permanent, just to get a, a little fill-in, right? So this is called Wine on One. And we have our wine. Absolutely. And we've been enjoying it. So if you, I hope you've been enjoying these mini episodes of 501 Crossroads. We're actually drinking Dreaming Tree, which actually I just, as I read the bottle, I found out Dave Matthews from the band, the Dave Matthews Band. Oh, it's, helps m- make. it's musically delicious. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, I like yeah. it. Very and for much. nonprofits, Dreaming, I like it. They're not sponsoring us, but we're happy to have him exactly. here. That's right. It's like Dave Matthews is in here with us. <laughs> but that would be great. Maybe we could ask him for money. Yes. <laughs> as long as he doesn't ask us to sing, our audience. Will be very okay. happy. So, speaking of dreaming, yes, a dream, l- a little dream with you. Have you ever thought about the the mission that you could make out in the world, and like what you could do to make the world better? How much wine have you had? Just like half the glass. <laughs> <laughs> I think any nonprofit manager, uh, anyone who's uh, experienced nonprofit with a heart, whether mm-hmm. they've uh, contributed financially or they've volunteered. They think about what their contribution means in the greater sense, not mm-hmm. just uh, as an individual, but the impact it has, the ripple effect, if exactly. you will. Exactly. Yeah. And then there's those special people out there, I think, that we call founders. Yes. And those people out there that have the ideas to make the world even better because of their great idea that nobody's thought about. Right. And the hustle. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the hustle. There's Ooh. a lot of hustle to get it going, right? <laughs> exactly. So I thought today we could talk about some tips and tricks for people who are just starting nonprofits. That's a great idea because yeah. we had the individual that was talking to you, I mm-hmm. believe, and asking yes. you some advice on that the other day. Exactly, so. about what to do. This uh, this friend of mine is starting a nonprofit. It's kind of a collaborative nonprofit with a bunch of different organizations kind of all working together. Right. Kind of like a backbone nonprofit almost. Okay. Um, you know, and nobody nobody else is actually doing this thing. So Okay, so part one. Let's just go there, step right? Step number one. Step number one. I love the fact that this friend of yours, and, and who's phenomenal, by the way, mm-hmm. I love him, I love how... He has done the research to say what else is out there. Exactly. Because my one of my pet peeves on nonprofits, new nonprofits, is they don't do the research. Mm-hmm. And they recreate the wheel, and then they dilute the funders for that cause. Exactly. Because, you know, how many organizations do we need that are going to give out T-shirts to homeless kids? Right. I think it's great when we can do economies of scale, have one big organization that gives out T-shirts. Or whatever. I, I, you know, it, it really always saddens me when um, two organizations that are doing the exact same thing are existing in the same space only because of ego. Yes, and if you got them together in a room, they would they would promise you they're, they're doing t- different, very things. different, and they w- they have done a differentiation study, mm-hmm. and they their techniques are very unique, and their mm-hmm. service areas are this or that, and and I get it, and we have. Well, we are overloaded with duplicate nonprofits. Mm-hmm. So kudos to him for doing his research. Yes. He gets two points for me. Yes. So that's that's step one for me is right. is your is your nonprofit actually different than somebody else's? Right. And two, I think the other thing was is that you know they've kind of had a overhang organization that's kind of umbrellaed them for a while that's ready for them to go. So I think the other question is, 
do you have somebody else, some other organization with a similar mission that's willing to house this program? Mm. Because a lot of times your nonprofit is really, your idea for a nonprofit is really an idea for a program. Right. And I think that that's a big challenge too, is making sure that you, you're doing something unique that nobody else is willing to do. Right. Um, and and you have ideas are hard to come by. And make sure you ask yourself, why has no one else done this? Mm. Because and if the, nobody the answer has, might surprise you. Yeah, because I think a lot of times somebody has tried to do this and realized that it's the, the well-meaning person who came up with an idea of what these poor people should have. Or, you know, and just never gonna, asked him. Never asked them. Right. So, and, you know, I see this a lot in the blindness field of us really great sighted people deciding that these blind people should have this thing that we give them. Right. And they should just be grateful. Exactly. And right. then we talk to the blind people and they're like, yeah, we don't want that. We don't want that. Or, hey, actually. Someone else provides that. Somebody and else they do a that. really, really good job. Yeah. Or we actually have this thing that does this, not the way you're talking about, but we all use this and it's great. And yeah, and the odds of us changing are going to be slim because exactly. what you're offering is not different enough to make us want to change. Exactly. So, you know, those, those kind of things. So now if they've done those tests. Right. What would you suggest to somebody who's done those tests? We've decided that this is a worthy nonprofit to start. What should they do? Well, there's a lot of things legally, obviously, you should do. And I think within a, a mini session such as this, we probably can't go down that road. But first mm-hmm. and foremost, you probably need to make sure you have a great team of advisors. So that would be someone on the financial side, someone on the legal side. And you may have some of those skills, mm-hmm. but you should probably also have a subject matter expertise third party that's yeah. willing to help you with this. Because sometimes within the whirlwind of creating this, you can get really distracted Exactly. By that. And you might miss something really important. Think about it for our audience listeners. How many times have you drove home at night? went to your driveway or your garage and realized you don't even remember going down that one road or taking that left. (laughs) And unfortunately, in our society, that's how a lot of accidents happen because our mind starts to wander. Well, in this case, you have someone who's got so many priority tasks of starting a nonprofit, even if they are a legal background, even if they have a medical background and it's a medical uh, nonprofit, even if they have a CPA, but they don't have the financial oversight at that time, they could miss something that's really huge, and that's a big misstep. So surrounding yourself with good people, step one. That is important, actually, on the legal stuff. So my organization actually just legally became our own nonprofit. We've been around for 40-some years, and it's time to leave the nest. So, I mean, we've been... We're not going to be cannibalizing anybody's stuff. We already got our stuff, but we just needed that legal status on our own. And I was filling out the Form 1023, which gives you your nonprofit status from the IRS. Form 1023. For those of you who missed it and you're rewinding Um, it. Yeah. And um, I was really surprised when I ran it by our lawyer, the things that he caught, because he's done enough of these. And he said, you know, actually, like, your your answer is right, but this answer is more right. And the more right answer was still absolutely 100% true. But when it comes down to the IRS and actually getting that nonprofit status. Right. You, you want the more right answer so that you have less chance of them coming back and extending your, your process. So that's really important to have that. You know, and that was the one thing, the, the making sure you've got people on your team that know what they're talking about. One thing I see with founders is they're really passionate about their program mm-hmm. and their program specialists. They're not always really good business people. Absolutely. And, I've seen that as well. Or not really good fundraisers. I've seen that as well. And you and need you all need of them. All of that. And I've seen people who are so passionate about their nonprofit, whether they are the founder themselves Mm -hmm. or they have been with their organization and it's really impacted them personally. Mm -hmm. And we've all seen this. We've met them at networking events and we run from them because (laughs) all they do is talk about them Mm -hmm. and how great that nonprofit is and how many people they serve and what their mission is. And let me tell you some statistics. 
And the next thing you know, you're like, I don't even, I don't even drink wine, and I would like to go to the bar and get a glass of wine exactly. just to get away from this person because they're not listening. Yeah, those are the days I drain my glass just so I can go, and then I've got to stay. <laughs> That's at the, the only reason you do that, right? <laughs> only reason. <laughs> only reason. <laughs> Which is funny because you just drained your glass while I was talking. Ooh. So, <laughs> but really, you know, it's all about that balance and being mm-hmm. able to know the heart of your mission but listen to your constituents Mm -hmm. and listen to people who might give you advice. Advice is yours for the taking or for the dropping, Mm -hmm. but you never know what little gems you might pull out of that advice. I think especially when you're talking to other people who run nonprofits, especially established nonprofits, like listen to those folks. I Like we just already did, we're always going to tell you don't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually tell our interns, um, I tell them don't go into a nonprofit. And don't go into a radio station. <laughs> but that is what we do here. <laughs> it's not a good Hello. career choice. <laughs> right. But, you know, you have to you have to understand what you're getting into. I mean, it is a labor of love. The thing that I think is really important is making sure that in a very quick period, you turn your nonprofit from being about you mm-hmm. to about being about that mission. Yes. There are a lot of nonprofits out there that are actually about this personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens when something happens to that personality? Then what? Yeah, what happens to that organization? Right, and you that's know, where I've scary. seen founder syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's there's something to be said about having a plan mm-hmm. and putting that plan together and getting people involved. And then there's a whole other world about knowing when it's time to take a different role in the organization. Exactly. So that it can grow and so that it can develop and go to that next level. Some people are so passionate they want to hold on to it once they start it, and they mm-hmm. don't realize by holding on to it, uh, just like if you hold on to it. A child and too long and you don't let them grow, you stifle them. You stifle mm-hmm. their development and you need yeah. to be encouraging and allow some tough love with your organization. You know, the one that I'm really interested to watch over the next couple of years is The Mission Continues, which Eric Reitens started several years ago. Yes. Eric Reitens is right now a um, a candidate for Missouri governor, um, combat veteran. Like, And that organization was 100%, their their PR focus was, was him. Mm-hmm. And it's inter- I think it's going to be interesting to see over the next couple of years what happens there. Well, and if you've been listening to MSNBC, there's been a lot of conversation about the Clinton Foundation. Oh, yeah. And yeah. with uh, we have a Clinton who's running mm-hmm. right now for office. And what will, what will happen <laughs> if that goes place? And what is Bill's role now in the foundation? And what is Hillary's role? Mm-hmm. And so that whole, that they've, they've had lots of debates on MSNBC about this, yeah. uh, both on uh, Sirius XM as well as on television. Mm-hmm. And Fox News also and had Fox their News fair is, share. Yes, they've been, they've been discussing. And now no one, of course, knows the answer except for the Clinton Foundation. Mm-hmm. But that's another great example where not only are they the founder, but the name yeah. is in there. And mm-hmm. so uh, you have to keep that in mind as you're going through when you're just picking out the name for your organization and making Jeez. it broader than just uh, yourself. Some, I can see why for them. That made sense. It made sense. That's Those are the coattails you want to ride, right? And I feel like foundations, like where you're actually giving away money, I think it's okay to use your name. I feel like if you're a nonprofit doing any kind of mission work, mm-hmm. I'm really suspect of nonprofits that are the Smith family nonprofit. Like, I, I don't like it. Like, because Unless to me, the Smith family produces wine, and then I'm totally okay with oh, it, yeah, so fine. long as I get samples. But that would be a foundation. Oh, that would be bad. It better be a foundation. It better be. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think, you know, for... for I, the, the other thing he was asking me about was fundraising. If you're a nonprofit, you're starting setting up your fundraising strategy just really quick. What What's the number one thing you would do It's for a new nonprofit? I'll tell you what I told him. I was going to say, I'm not sh- I, I don't know where to go with this. There's so yeah. many things that I 
I'm overwhelmed by the thought of it, to be honest. Yeah, it is kind of scary. So, and there are people out there. There are funders, mm-hmm. and there are founders. Yes. I am not a founder. No. I'm a funder. <laughs> yes. So I, I'm a grower myself. Knowing, knowing your place, yeah. right? So what I, what I suggested was taking your organizational budget, what you think it's going to be, divide it by 10, make that gift <laughs> period, the gift pyramid that... You know, and find somebody who will fund a tenth of your mission, yes. whether it's a, a grantor or a individual donor, and then finding five people who will fund the next tenth, and you know, where keep I going see, down. Where I see a funnel problem is, mm-hmm. and, and I and I'm using the funnel as the analogy for a reason is, they have all these people that they know mm-hmm. who are quote really good friends, or they've said they're going to be great supporters or great loyalty, yes. and they're in this big wide funnel, right? Mm-hmm. But when the asking starts taking place. We get mm-hmm. to the narrower part of the funnel. Exactly. Because they already have organizations that they're supporting, mm-hmm. and they are saying, I'm supporting you as in Go Team Go. I didn't know you were just going to ask me for $10,000, yeah. and that's not quite. But but here's 100 and I and wish you the best of luck. And 100 going to help. 100 going to help, bit. but it's not going to be that wide part of the funnel. So yeah. uh, think of all those people you're putting into the funnel and think realistically what that's going to look like at the end. And yeah. then say, can I found this organization on what's coming out of the end of the funnel? Exactly. And because, you know, we don't want our funders or our founders to be out there, you know, not have making a living either because I think right. one of the most important things nonprofits have to do going forward in our communities and our lives is pay people living wages. Mm-hmm. Um, so any founders out there that are thinking of starting a nonprofit, thinking about bringing on staff, pay them living wages. Please do. Very important. Yes, so. they, they appreciate yes. that very much. Yes. So I feel like that's our soapbox about um, new nonprofits. I like it. So if you're considering yeah. a nonprofit or you've thought, I'd always like to start one, there's some great ideas for you to start with. Mm-hmm. And by all means, give us some feedback and let us know some of the things that you think so mm-hmm. we can continue to help our audience. And maybe sometime we can bring a founder in and like really get some good good information on that and do some research to do a really good full episode. For that, w- that would be great. So if you're listening and you're mm-hmm. a founder and you'd be interested in coming in and talking some more about us, let us know. Exactly. So thank you for joining us on 501 Crossroads. 501 Crossroads is recorded at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio and produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. And me, Natalie Jablonski. Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite app and subscribe and leave us some feedback so others can find us. You can find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. And thank you for listening. And remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.